My Life Now is a half-hour podcast show which regularly features reviews of new releases and all-time classics of both traditionally published and self-published books. Tune in for special guest interviews and, of course, helpful tips to not only write your next book, but also to help market it. My Life Now is most often referred to as a great way for authors to get quality exposure and avid readers to discover their next read. Without further delay, here's another stimulating episode of My Life Now. Welcome back to another episode of My Life Now. Once again, my name is Dallas here. Today, we have another incredible author joining us today, Alex Hernandez Sr. Alex, such a pleasure to have you here today. How are you? Thank you so much for having me, Dallas. I'm really great. Thank you. Yeah. And you said that you were calling us today from Southern California. Yes, I'm currently in Riverside, California. I reside in the Inland Empire, which is considered to be in the greater Los Angeles area. Okay. Tell me something about LA or this area in Southern California that I need to know. Well, I think Southern California is a beautiful place. It has It's a land of opportunity, that's for sure. And there's really an endless amount of things to do. In fact, you could say that we're pretty spoiled here. Um, I was mentioning to you off the air that you go 40 minutes one way, you're at the beach, go another 40 minutes another way, and you're in the mountains. You can mm -hmm. ski and surf on the same day. Uh, so we really have great weather. Uh, most of the time, and you know, the joke goes, it doesn't rain here. That's not always true. We just had a lot of rain. But you could say we get like 340 days of sunshine. Where I work as a paramedic, we get like 350 days of sunshine. Wow. Um, so it's beautiful. That is wonderful. And so today we're going to discuss a little bit about your life, your story. And so you have written your story into a book and released it here in November last year. And so just the name of the book for our audience, if you could tell us that, and then we'll dive a little bit deeper. Yes. So yeah, I wrote a book called The Audacity of Indifference, Stories from a Paramedic's Life and Career, Volume 1. I know it's quite a mouthful, but I think I did have quite a mouthful to share, and I've had some interesting experiences, and I thought that writing the book would help, it would resonate with people, and and I think that other people could benefit from reading my story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I just want to dive right in, since this is your story. I just want you to just tell our audience what, what happened from the beginning, and we can just kind of dive in from there. Yeah, so the title itself tells you a lot about it. So the fact that it's called the audacity of indifference really tells you what you need to know, but let me give you a little bit more. So the first example of the audacity of indifference that I'm referring to actually stems directly from my parents and my upbringing. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, not a lot of us have a normal, I guess you could say your stereotypical American family scenario. You know, we did have the two parents, the two kids, uh, not exactly the white picket fence type thing. But mm -hmm. uh, at any rate, you know, things got uh, went wrong and it didn't actually turn out the way they were supposed to. Um, my mom left us at, when I was a very young uh, kid. I was only seven years old the first time that she left. And so I struggle with the idea of abandonment and as well as dealing with a father who not only was absent most of the time because of the fact that he commuted, but while he was present, he wasn't exactly always the best example because he struggled with alcoholism. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so the audacity and difference that I mainly referred to initially, at least in my life, was with them. And now as a paramedic, I see that on display almost every day uh, during my chosen career field. People show this level of audacity of indifference that I didn't think was previously possible. Yeah. And you were mentioning a little bit as the sunny days there in, in Southern California. And so I was just curious off the bat, does that affect the work that you guys are doing there rather than here in Missouri where I am, where today we got some snow, right? So what does that look like? Well, we uh, normally don't have too many problems with uh, the weather. It's generally going to be sunny, although it gets really hot where I work in the Palm Springs area and temperatures can be, you know, 115 or more. But what we say is, unlike Missouri, uh, where I hear it's referred to as misery due to humidity, we have a dry heat. And so dry heat tends to be a little bit more tolerable. Uh, Put it this way, I would take 120 degrees, but 6% humidity over 90 and 90 any day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, that makes total sense. But also in Palm Springs area, when it does rain, we get uh, some flooding. So I like to say in the Palm Springs area, it's a place of extremes, extreme wealth, extreme poverty, sometimes in the same city. Uh, You also have a lot of flooding, wind, uh, a lot of road closures. So we do get impacted, even though we have fairly good weather overall. Mm -hmm. And diving back into your story a little bit, you also mentioned that you have a son who's turning 29 today. And so let's go a little bit more into the story there. How did that happen as well? And how did that, your upbringing impact the way that you fathered your son as well? Yes. So the first part of that is uh, quite surprising even for me to hear. It's hard to believe that my son is almost 30 years old Mm -hmm. and all the viewers should be surprised by that because I shouldn't look old enough to have a 29 year old son. Um, I'm 45 right now, but doing the math, that tells you that I was 16 at the time that he was born. So that was also part of my story. I had a very unique situation. I feel like I was a very old soul by the time I was 16 and became a father. Also, his mother was uh, put into a predicament early on, whereas she also became an old soul. So we were two very young people, 15 and 16, respectively, trying to make our way in the world with a son. Um, So he was born in 1995, actually, funny enough, 29 years to the day today. Um, And also, we just passed the time of his birth, uh, 11, 17 a.m. Boy is what they told me as they came walking towards me. And I was besides myself then just like I am today to realize that I have a 29-year-old son. It's hard to believe that. But time flies. And I got to tell you, like, it's incredible that he's this old now. But I was impacted by my parents, and I became a better parent because my parents, because they weren't involved, because they weren't engaged, because they were selfish and, um, you know, stubborn in their own ways. I strive to be a better father, to be present, to be a part of his life, to connect with him, Mm -hmm. to not be alcoholic, to not abandon him, to be a part of every part of his life, literally from the time he was born, uh, babysitting him, taking care of him, taking him to school, uh, being his coach. I got the opportunity to coach both of my kids in youth sports for decades um, I even started a football league because I'm my son and my daughter was a participant as a player as well as a cheerleader. Um, so I feel really blessed to have had those opportunities with my children. 
And I can say that I wanted to be a part of their life more than I ever had my parents be a part of mine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's great because there is two options. There are, are two options here. You can either continue in this generational thing, like you're saying, or you can stop it. The buck stops here, you know, and change the way that you raise your children. I think that that's amazing. Change the generations. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think we all have that choice, you know, and I feel like that's part of my story. That's part of my journey. Part of why I wrote this is because I was struggling with the impact that I feel my parents had on me. And I know I had to work through some issues. And I think we all get old enough where we can no longer blame our parents and whatever ramifications that came from your upbringing there's a point where you gotta look yourself in the mirror and figure out how you're going to correct things uh, from the past and how they're impacting you today. Embark on a transformative journey with Finding Hope in Healing, a Christ-centered approach to mental illness by Dr. Shiloh W. Martin. Gain profound insights into mental health through a biblical lens, blending professional expertise with unwavering faith. This compassionate guide dives into depression, anxiety, and bipolar disorder offering comfort, hope, and practical advice anchored in Scripture. Purchase your copy on Amazon today and discover the transformative power of faith on the path to mental wellness. And so after your son at 16, uh, his mother was 15 after that. So what led you to want to become a paramedic and what kind of led you down that path? Well, actually, it stems, it goes way earlier than that. Um, I actually write about it in the book more with more detail. Chapter 10 is called The Meaning of My Name, where I discovered uh, the actual meaning of the name Alex. And ultimately, what I found is that it means helper and defender of mankind. But if wow. you couple that with the fact that I was put in the position to actually be a helper of my father, and I was um, trying to protect him against himself, and the fact that I realized really young the frailty of life and the fact that he was making poor decisions, he put me in a position to be somewhat of a hero-minded child in a sense that I wanted to make sure he stayed alive. So I was actually driving my dad when he was too drunk to drive when I was as young as eight years old. I would stand in between my parents and try to break up any of their fights. I would um, engage in a way that I feel like I'm put in a position to do now as a paramedic. So if you couple my name, meaning helper and defender of mankind, being put in these unique situations that I should never have had to deal with, there was this gravitation, uh, this force that was pulling me towards becoming a paramedic to begin with. And it wasn't so much paramedic. I didn't really know what that meant then. I actually associated with being a firefighter, but ultimately it was about helping people. Yeah. Yeah. And I can see the impact that this name had on you because you even gave it to your son, right? Right. Alex Jr. And I have a son. I didn't name him Dallas Jr. So, I mean, <laughs> the impact of your name must have really helped you a lot. So I can totally see how this, your parents didn't know what they were naming you, you know, the impact that you would have with that helper of mankind. That's incredible. Yeah. And I I can tell you that I have told people time and time and again that uh, that I have truly tried to live up to my name. And it led me to becoming a paramedic, an instructor with American Heart Association. And now I'm even an adjunct professor in that I'm trying to actually have an impact on other people. And I truly desire to help people live up to my name. 
Mm-hmm. We need more people like that who are just trying to make a difference in the world, make the world a better place, leave it better than we found it type of people, right? And so let's go into your book a little bit more about some of the career stories that you've experienced without giving too much away, of course. But if you could just dive into one of your favorite stories, maybe within the book. Yeah, there's many um, that I wrote in the book and many that I have in general, and some of them are pretty intense. So I will give you a less intense version, but um, sometimes in my chosen career field, I see things that I don't quite understand. I can't explain them. And I got to tell you, there's two things that come to mind for me. Uh, One is that if you're not a believer, as I am, it's hard to actually continue to be a non-believer. I believe if you really look at the human body, the human body is an amazing machine. And I believe that it really shows proof of intelligent design. Mm. All right. And also, I will tell you that there's things that are unexplainable, but to that's the general thought process. However, if you really look at what the Bible says, then you could find that there is justification for it. There is an explanation for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'll preface my story with. So I had this call and it was uh, an interesting call where we were called for a possible stroke. And upon arrival, we found that this man seemed quite afraid and not willing to talk and or not able to talk. Not being able to talk is a sign of a stroke. It is called aphasia. And uh, But this man seemed a little bit different. He spoke Spanish primarily, and we were trying to engage him in Spanish and English and what I kind of jokingly say Spanglish, mm-hmm. but he wasn't responding. And it almost seemed like it wasn't like he couldn't talk. He was choosing not to. At any rate, I had a very interesting encounter with this man where he actually saw something before he took his last breath. So I kind of skipped to the end there because there's a lot more details involved that is in the story. And like you said, not giving too much away. But I believe he saw something, that the veil was lifted, and he was able to see something that I wasn't meant to see that day. And I believe before he took his last breath, he was seeing something that um, he was meant to see on that particular day. And it was quite um, difficult to be part of that situation because I couldn't do anything for him medically. It was like beyond the scope of medicine. It was Mm -hmm. his called time, and it was meant to be. And he was taken seemingly, you know, right in front of me. Uh, there's more details than that, but I just wanted to at least give you something to work with here mm-hmm. because I don't want to reveal too much from yeah. anything from the book. But I do pride myself on being fairly detailed and trying to be very uh, specific. And sometimes I can say it's a little graphic. And that's why I guess I'm not pushing too much about some of the details involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can... I can't imagine the the career that you have, the things that you see, the cases that you work, you know, the the situations you may find yourself in, you know, and how could you not be a believer, you know, because there's just so many things, as you said, unexplainable, even like, I mean, you see a car accident and you see this car all crumpled up. How in the world did this guy survive? You know, things like this, that's just unexplainable acts of God that, you know, he either it's time to go and it's time to go, or he's going to, if it's not time, you know, you know, that's wild. What do you think about this, this type of stuff? Like the thought of it's your time and it's not your time. And 
Have you thought about this much within your career? Oh, oh yeah. It's something that I definitely encounter quite a bit. And I believe that it's true. Um, there is a call, there's a call time for each of us. We don't know what that is. I believe that, you know, your, your time when God calls for you, you're going to go. That's all there is to it. Yeah. Wow. And what about some other stories that you have that or could be really encouraging to our audience today? Well, I would say that encourage stories that encourage, I think that speaks to going back to my story, you know, it's like, I think the word resilience and endurance come to mind because what I think I show is an example of no matter how difficult your upbringing is, that you could find a way to rise above it and still be a productive member of society as it, as the saying goes, like, going back to the personal aspect of me being a father at 16 and my son's mother being 15, who ended up being my wife, by the way, for more than 20 years. Congratulations. Um, That's even, amazing. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, we're not together now, but I mean, we, we definitely um, went through some very amazing experiences together. Mm -hmm. But what I was going to say is that, that in spite of, the difficulties of our respective youth and our upbringing, our families, we had some struggles and we were very young parents. We both ended up graduating with master's degrees. Wow. So I think there is uh, the resilience that you could have that no matter what difficulties you encounter, you could find a way to be successful. And that some people try to tell us that getting, you know, having a baby so young was, actually ending our lives mm -hmm. and we didn't believe it then nor did we believe it throughout the entire time of raising him nor do i think either one of us believe it to this day in fact it was a complete opposite having our son so young was the best thing that ever mm -hmm. happened to us and then we got a another helping of that best amazing thing when our daughter was born mm -hmm. six years after our son there was a gap between them because obviously we had some growing up to do and some things to figure out, but I mean, I wouldn't change it for the world and I don't think she would either. And, you know, having a son was the best thing. It was not the worst thing. It was not the end of our life. It was actually the beginning of it. It was actually to it, he come, him coming into the world was like a set of fire on us and motivated us to be successful, to find yeah. a way to do the best we can for him and for ourselves and, you know, we both had difficult childhoods for sure. But again, that didn't stop us from pursuing a higher education. And um, we were we were homeowners really young. We we just never allowed anything to really hold us back, no matter what difficulties we were encountering. And I believe that could apply to anyone. You know, the uh, the finding a way to work through problems mentally, physically, uh, spiritually mm -hmm. is an important part of your spiritual physical mental health right and, I believe and so for those people that are listening today that maybe were given the same cards that you were dealt what would be your your experience what would be your advice today for them to practically change something that they don't have to be like the way that their parents might have been or, or something like that yeah i would say that you have to do soul searching you have to find a way to work through your problems and um you know forgiving yourself forgiving your parents uh, finding a way to find inner peace 
you know, is going to be able to allow you to move forward and not be hindered by the burdens of bitterness, the burdens of of pain and, uh, you know, holding on to negativity. None of it's good for us. You know, it's like forgiveness is an important part of it, but it starts with forgiving yourself, uh, you know, kind of working through uh, some of the guilt you carry for mistakes you made and shame that you have for things you did or didn't do. Um, But, you know, I would say always trying to work through any concern you have. It's got to be the most important thing because mentally you have to be right. And it could have an impact on your entire life and your physical being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And going back to that, even if you're free, I found because I was a drug addict seven years ago, Alex. And so my life has been completely different and transformed. That's why I'm a missionary uh, in Brazil. And I just moved back to the States as we were talking about. And so through that, the enemy still tries to use some of those guilts and shames that held me down and of the things that I did. And he's going to keep using them, you know, but it's not going to stick because I'm free now. Right. And so I think you're exactly right. That soul searching, figure out who you are, find your identity, you know, what you're not defined by who you, what you've done, you know, that's not who you are. And so thank you so much for writing your book. And let's hear about volume two as well. So you said that there is a second part. When can we hear a little bit more about that? And when will that be released as well? So volume two should be released within the next several months. Uh, we're going to start taking pre-orders here within the next month or so. I'm still trying to get some of it finished. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be more about my personal story beyond focusing on my mother as much. Uh, you know, the previous book was about trying to work through some past history, some issues mm-hmm. pertaining to my childhood that really surfaced last year, uh, in particular about the time that I was getting remarried. So I got remarried last year. So yes, last year was quite an interesting, busy year. Uh, so I had to work through some past issues and then also volume two is going to deal with some of that as well, but later mm-hmm. in life when I went through a metamorphosis of sorts to make me even further an example who I am today. And that came after struggles. In fact, I feel like some of the best growth and development and just overall um, improvement has come after some of the most difficult times in my life. And I must say congratulations to you. And you probably know what I'm referring to. If you were uh, you were saying you were using drugs seven years ago, mm-hmm. obviously you changed dramatically, mm-hmm. and it took you probably re- getting down to rock bottom to be That's able it. to yeah. to be able to go the other way. For our I've listeners out there, bottom. I mean, I'm not the only stubborn one out here. You know, we sometimes yeah. we got to get to the bottom for us to wake up a little bit. Absolutely. What I tell people is that I like to remain humble. Because I've been humbled. I've been dropped to my knees to remind me what my knees are for. Mm -hmm. So rather than having to be dropped to my knees again, I just try to stay humble so I don't have to be humbled. That's it. Um, But yeah, so it's going to be more about future, uh, my future part of my life. Like the other part was more in the past, uh, volume one, that is. But volume two is more of the recent history. Mm -hmm. Uh, Made me more of a man than I am today. Um, it's uh, interesting struggles that I had back in 2015, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's one of those types of books in this style that you're writing here that you could keep writing, you know, for the rest of your life and just keep releasing new, new, 
new additions to this book because you're going to keep learning things. You're going to keep becoming a better man, right? You're going to keep serving and have so many more stories to tell. And so I think that the way you created this is amazing because it's not going to stop, right? Well, well, it's funny you say that because some people have suggested a volume three. And I'm like, well, maybe some people think it's that talk about audacity. The fact that I wrote a book to begin with um, maybe has some audacity associated because I'm a younger guy. And normally people write books when they've had a lot more living. But I also feel like that may be true. But I also had some very unique experiences that other people haven't had you know, forced to grow up really young and to do things really young and to be self-reliant and to be a father and do all these things really young. It was, I think it was unique. And if you couple that with the paramedic stories that a lot of people have, um, yeah. you know, curiosities about, I felt like that was worthy of a story. And yeah, you're right. There's, there's more that I could write about and there's definitely more stories. Every time I go to work, you encounter something yeah. that other people might not experience for their entire life. Wow. Yeah, Alex, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your story, your book as well. And if you can just tell our audience one more time, what is the title of the book and where can we find volume one? It is called The Audacity of Indifference, Stories from a Paramedic's Life and Career, Volume One. Uh, right now it is available on Amazon. It's in the Kindle format, paperback, as well as hardcover. And then it's also available on Barnes and Noble in the same formats. So that would be considered the Nook, which is the ebook version, the paperback and the hardcover. And I've been waiting eagerly for it to come out on Audible, uh, which should be available here shortly. But um, that part in particular, I think, is going to be a big one for, for me because I found that a lot of people just simply don't read. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I saw a survey that said, that 72% of Americans prefer to listen to a book rather than read one. And even some of my close friends have told me when I advise them about my book, um, for example, one friend in particular said that I was going to force him to do something that he hasn't done since high school. And I'm like, what's that? And he says, read a book. <laughs> wow. So the audible, I think is good. But honestly, I want to encourage the viewers to really read a book. I mean, you can learn so much from from so many different people. There's so, so many amazing books. And I got to tell you, my book was not meant to be a self-help book, but I think it definitely has self-help elements to it. And there is some parts that could really resonate with people. So I would encourage you to pick it up and give it a chance. Um, it is available through many resource, many routes. And also, um, of course, look for that audible version too, because that would be beneficial. Wonderful. I've had the opportunity to listen to the narration of the book. And I got to tell you, the narrator I selected, which originally I wanted it to be me, but uh, audible has some very specific recording requirements. So I selected a gentleman and I thought he did a really great job. And it was sort of an outer body experience to listen to my book being read by someone else. It was, it was quite interesting. Wow. So uh, but I, I look forward to that version of the book in particular. Yeah. And can we find all this information on your website as well? Yes. So if you can go to alexthemedicauthor.com, uh, you'll find all kinds of information on there. I actually have a blog as well. So you'll find some, some interesting things on the blog and all kinds of information about the book, as well as there's a link to Amazon on there. And, uh, there's also a way to contact me directly if you have any questions. It's 
alexthemedic at gmail.com. Uh, so we have a nice little logo with the stethoscope to make the Alex the medic part. <laughs> so it's uh, quite interesting. Not everybody has four different jobs, but I technically do. As in, I'm a paramedic, I'm an instructor, I'm an adjunct professor, as well as an author. Mm -hmm. And I'm proud of all those different roles that I have. And of course, I'm proud of being the, the role of being a father, a all husband, right. a grandfather, Yes. And that one you're spe specifically supposed yeah, to be surprised awesome. about because I'm awesome. awesome. <laughs> um, I'm so a young good. grandfather and I'm so happy and I'm so proud of him. And I just, I love that boy so much. He's my, uh, my grandson there. So wonderful. Alex, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to meet you and to hear a little bit about your story as well. The lows, the highs and how your life is in the right direction. And we're going to have a series five, six, seven of this book here before too long. <laughs> Uh, well, I don't know about that, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was nice talking with you. Nice. Thank you for having me on here and, um, thank you for your time. Yeah. And this is the, my life now podcast. We'll be back for another episode. Hopefully we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening and supporting another episode of my life now. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast show and share it with a friend. Together, we can keep the message of these books alive. Until we turn the next page together, stay classy.